Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, uh, my name's Claire Johnson, also known as The Naked Warrior. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Driven Chat podcast. My name is John Marker and I am delighted to tell you that I am back at Caffeine and Machine after what feels like a small, short lifetime. Uh, this was such a regular base for us to record our podcast, but it hasn't been for quite some time. But we are back and we are planning on making this a, uh, a bit of a habit, coming back here as often as we can. And as you've just heard from the intro there, our first guest that we have back here at Caffeine and Machine is Claire Johnson, otherwise known as the Naked Warrior. And Claire, I guess you're going to do a far better job at introducing yourself and telling us about what you do. Um, but just to kind of put a bit of meat on the bone. So we first met, didn't we? I'm guessing, I'm trying to uh, cast my memory back to January this year. It was January, January this year at Silverstone at the media day for the Praga Cup Championship. Yeah, that's right. And I think when we met, you mentioned that you were involved in some personal training and some nutrition advice and bits and pieces for a lot of the drivers that were there. And then mm -hmm. following that, we kind of kept in touch and... I had a look on your website and discovered there's a lot there's a lot more to you than just a bit of personal training and nutrition stuff. So we thought let's let's get you in for a chat because I think what you're doing is amazing. The work you're doing to get more girls and women into motorsport is amazing and kind of just yeah, it's always good to hear some stories about how you got to where you are. So yeah, why don't you give us a little overview of um, who you are and how you've got to where you are today. Sure. So um, I'm a motorsport fitness and nutrition performance expert. Uh, I work with drivers on a one-to-one -one basis to help improve their performance on track and also do their training outside of their, their race weekends as well. Um, I work with corporate teams, motorsport teams um, at that corporate level to make sure that you know the rest of the team are, are fit, strong and, and healthy as well, that they can perform on track as well because it's not just about the drivers. Mm -hmm. It's the whole team coming together. Uh, so as I mentioned, you know, when we met, it was at the Praga Cup Championship. And um, I work with the corporate team for Praga UK and also work with Idola Motorsport and help their mechanics. And, you know, I work with their catering team to make sure that um, we're providing the right food at the track to make sure that they're fed correctly throughout the day. Um, I also have my own race license and do a little bit of track time myself, work with a number of different drivers as well on a one-to-one -one basis, um, W Series driver, uh, so a 
team of ladies who were just in the C1 endurance race. Um, I also have clients on an international level as well, which um, I help to coach them through my RaceFit online program. And um, I'm also an ambassador to get more females on track for team sport and the British Indoor Karting Championships. And um, I also work and a preferred supplier for uh, one of the F1 teams as well. No way. Amazing. Trying so to remember everything. So you're quite a busy person there. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and how did all this start? So did it start with an interest in cars and driving for yourself? Or was it more on the personal training and fitness nutrition side? Where did it all come to come? Like, how did this all come to be? I've always had uh, an interest and a passion for motorsport. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've always had a passion and an interest and worked within health and fitness. I've um, been within health and fitness for, gosh, 20 years at an international level as well, both in London, in Essex, and also um, in New Zealand and in Australia as well. So um, it came all together uh, probably at about, um, at, this, at the start of the, the first lot of the COVID lockdowns, I published my second book, which was called The Winning Formula. Mm -hmm. And within that um, book, it was a collection of stories from women who were at the top of their field in a traditional male environment, or mm -hmm. what would be perceived as being something that the boys do rather than what the girls do. Sure. Um, and at that time, I was heavily involved in a lot of uh, female empowerment work. So that's where the idea for the book came about. And within that, I was interviewing um, race drivers. I had um, other uh, females, you know, female boxer, England cricket captain, um, and uh, rugby player, swimmer, canoeist. So all of these things which were traditionally thought as not something for the girls. And mm. I interviewed all of them to find out what their common themes were for their stories and, you know, what their highs and their lows were through their journey and, you know, what obstacles and challenges they faced and how they actually overcome them. Um, and then there were definitely key things that throughout each of their stories. So I brought it all together with their interviews and their stories and created this um, personal development empowerment book for, for women. And that happened in, in the first lockdown. Uh, once my book was published, um, I was also getting a lot more into the karting that I was doing down at my local team sport karting centre. Nice. And I have a bright blue race suit with my race logo <laughs> on, on the back <laughs> of it. So I kind of stood out a little bit. And so then I was talking to team sport because uh, like, I wanted to do a book launch for, for the winning formula and create a community event for females to get more females on track. Um, have myself as a speaker and Penny Mallory, who's one of the um, ladies in the book, she was going to come down and do a, a, a talk as well. And then from there, um, you know, they noticed that I was quick on track. The British Indoor Karting Championships were coming up. They asked me to be an ambassador, to be a role model, to help get more girls on track. Great. So then I was then competing. And then from there, it escalated. And I... Um, I joined the, the Formula Woman team as their lead nutritionist and helped all of their ladies that were going through their fitness assessments. And then from there, you know, built my business in terms of creating my race fit program specifically for the drivers, um, doing a lot of work with FIA girls on track as well as a speaker and a presenter, um, you know, from the education side of things, fitness side of things, and then just really trying to, um, I guess, you know, working one-to-one -one with, with the drivers and the teams for their overall performance and making fitness and nutrition easy and keeping them accountable to it so they implement it and you know seeing the benefits and the results that they get from that yeah amazing there's a lot I, there's a lot that i want to unpick from, <laughs> from what you do because i think yeah. there's there's a lot of questions that crop up um one thing that i guess to kind of hit off the bat with with the yeah the main query and i like asking this question especially to women in this field because mm -hmm. of course i am fully aware that as a a bloke as a guy i I've got it good, really. Like, if I wanted to have a dabble in a bit of motorsport, if I wanted to go in even other sports as well, chances are there'd be very little, if any, negative response, kind of any sort of bad attitude towards it, because ultimately I'm just another guy having a go at something motorsporty or sporty. Yeah, it might be football, it might be rugby, something like that. However, if I think of myself as, if it were my sister, for example, and my sister had said to her friends in the pub, oh, actually, I'm going to have a go at motor racing. I'd be fairly certain that one or two of her friends, guys and girls perhaps, would mm. go, oh, are you sure? Like, is that what you want to do? And, and I often think that with, certainly with the younger generation, you know, the kind of early teenage years, guys and girls that are really thinking ahead to what they want to do as a career, what they might even want to do is just a hobby, and motorsport might be one of those. I often feel and fear 
that a lot of girls kind of have the ambition but they almost don't let it materialise because they're scared of what other people might think or they might think that the opportunities just won't come for them. How do you see it from where you sit? And is there is there a kind of a, an easy answer to give to that? There probably isn't. Um, but what do you think is the kind of the primary concern for or, or reason that there is this perception that girls have it harder than guys do? I think the... Um there's, the challenge is definitely real for, for some, but mm. I also think that there's a, there's a wave of change that is happening right now. Great. And I definitely feel that it's an education process and letting girls know a lot of the work that I do with girls on track is you know educating school girls on the different roles for women within motorsport mm. so it's not just about driving it can sure. be data analysis engineering you know the work that I do um, and everything else that goes around that as well um, so I definitely see that it, it's changing and so part of that education process is letting uh, young girls know that it's possible mm. and then also showing them what's possible and opening the doors um, you know we've got some really really good strong female role models now in motorsport so I think that's opening up the doors to younger girls as well to see oh yes I can do that as well mm. um, and then just having the the backing of them their their family I guess to be able to do it and you know girls face the same um, challenges as boys do in terms of motorsport in, in you know the, trying to get the financial backing to do it course, so yeah. um, I see that probably being more of the the issues that they face now um, it has definitely changed a lot. And I think, you know, if you're a female in motorsport, now is your time to get out there and shine. Brilliant. So would you say it is getting better? Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. And I see that it's more accessible and more um, welcoming as, as well. Mm. Uh, you know, I do still hear some comments on track, you know, about different stigma things. Oh, you know, if there'd been a crash, oh, you know, was that one of the girls driving mm. and things like yeah. that, which is, is a shame. Yeah. Um, you know, some of it is a little bit tongue in cheek, but it, you know, it doesn't make it right. It's, you know, everyone's there on that level playing field yeah. as well. It doesn't help, does it? No. In, in, the, <laughs> in this kind of challenge that we're all trying to improve mm. of let's just make it an equal playing field because this is the thing I've, I've said uh, you know my history organizing track days and car control days and um, I've also dabbled in a little bit of in-car tuition yeah um, with people of all ages of all genders and as far as I can as far as I'm concerned and I know many other track day instructors that will say the same many other racing drivers that will say the same there is no physical difference there should be no difference that a guy and a girl should perform differently in a racing car. You know, we're not talking about athletics and different body structure. We're talking about the ability to sit in a car, to focus, mm -hmm. mentally to focus, and to pedal the car and steer it where you need it to steer. The, I, I mean, I think back to the days that I used to tutor. I used to jump for joy when I knew that I had a day with majority women to give guidance to in a car mm. over the blokes because the blokes would never listen you <laughs> could guarantee they would <laughs> never listen didn't matter if they'd been driving for five minutes or 50 years they knew best mm. i've been driving my car and i know best um whereas the girls would get into the car and they'd always want to listen yes agreed. and even if you, they were already as good as they were ever going to be they were always more willing to take the information in and i, I guess i need to be careful here because i could be <laughs> going over the stereotype the wrong way and being you know um a bit too positive on the girl's side and negative on the guy's side. It's a minefield, isn't it? Um, I, I would agree with you, though, on, on that aspect. Um, it, but it's just, it's just the nature sometimes, you know, the guys can be a bit gung-ho and, yeah. and go, go all in. Um, but, you know, I've worked with a lot of women that are like that myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I'm behind the wheel, I have been told that I switch and it's like, okay, Claire's on, she, she's racing. <laughs> um, and it's bringing that out that other side in you. And from all the ladies, um, female drivers that I have worked with in particular, what you see the common theme with them is, is their passion. And that's what gets you excited. You know, they've got this fire inside them and they just want to go and get it. And mm. then, you know, I think, when you see that, regardless if you're male or female, you have instant respect for someone else who's following their, their passion and they love what they're doing. And, you know, if you've all got that common interest of the love for motorsport, mm. um, you know, it just complements each other, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That is really good. But, yeah, I want to kind of try and stay on that kind of guys versus girls uh, situation of like why is it easier for guys and not easier for girls and, and effectively I guess the question I'm asking is how do we make it better like what would your advice be to me as a guy or to anyone else that's listening that perhaps could in a very tiny way change this perception and allow 
girls more of an opportunity to feel less apprehensive about getting into this industry, either as a driver or as a technician or just mm. somebody that wants to get into the automotive industry, you know, even from a non-motorsport side of things. What can we do to make it better? What can we do to make life easier? Uh, I guess just, just try and be more um, accepting of it and, and open to it. Uh, and I also think it needs to work from both sides. And, you know, I think for a lot of the female drivers, um, so for instance, when I was working with the BIKC, they don't have a female only category. Right. And uh, a lot of the ladies that were coming, you know, they might potentially do a ladies night mm. because they'd want to get their confidence up first and know that they were good on track with the ladies. Yeah. And then they were happy to go into a, a mixed race. Mm. So, you know, I think it's it, what we can do is try to create more opportunities for that um, so that you know females can potentially do more things in an all-female environment and to build their confidence so then it does cross over and then just having that acceptance and allowance and um, <clears throat> you know not having the um, like the the perception that that women can't do it yeah yeah that's fair enough that makes perfect sense awesome so is this a field that you got into through a certain levels of qualification or study or work experience or is this something that you kind of landed into through just passion? I definitely say uh, from the, the fitness nutrition side, obviously it's the education, it's the training, it's the learning and everything that I've been doing over time. Um, and it's, you know, I've got 20 years experience in health and fitness and mm. numerous programs working with women and then bringing that together with my passion and interest and, you know, understanding the human body and how to train it you know you just adapt it from one sport to another and you know knowing the ins and outs of the sport and where um where I stand out my key point of difference is you know I, I know what it's like to be behind the wheel as well as training people to to drive as well so you know when I'm in in, in, a, in a race when I was karting or in the car um you know, I feel the same things that, that they do. Yeah. And, you know, I'm strong and I'm fit. And then if I get out of the car, I'm like, oh, you know, my neck, you know, I need to pay more attention to that. Or, uh, you know, I really felt that in my upper body. And mm. I remember I did a, a karting endurance race once and, you know, 60 minutes, I woke up the next day and my, my shoulders, and I was like, wow, like that, that for me. Yeah. Um, so it's understanding how they feel, what their experiences that they're having, plus also my um, knowledge and experience of creating programs to suit those training needs. Got you. Yeah. Awesome. One of the things I'd love to know is you mentioned earlier about the, the fact that you do the personal training and fitness and nutrition for the drivers. Yeah. But you also mentioned that also for the rest of the team as well. Sure. Have there been any environments where you've had like a couple of guys or girls in the in the garage who are like, hang on, what? Why? Do, why? <laughs> why are we having to give up the chips? Sorry. Like what's going on? It's more the um, the bacon rolls and, oh. and the sausage rolls for breakfast. So you know the you, you know teams get to track early, seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so yeah. you know I work with um, a couple of teams with their catering, and you know advise on their menu choices. And it's not about replacing; it's about adding on and supplementing as well. Because not everyone always wants to have a bacon roll. Yeah. Um, you know, so we introduce porridge and granola, and you know, especially during the summer. <coughs> um, you want fresher fruit and you want lighter options. You know, you don't want to be sitting down having a, a roast dinner on a Sunday lunchtime when you're at the track. You'd like to, you know, a, a chicken salad wrap or something mm. instead and then saving your larger meal for later on in the day. So it is a little bit of an education process. Yeah. Most people... Um, who I've spoken to, you know, they're they're very receptive and they're like, oh, you know, thank God, like we can get something other than burgers, chips, pies, and and yeah. things like that. So yeah. yeah, and with the, I mean, what I I guess it's very easy to think, you know, if you were let, let's say if we were looking after a football team and they were or or athletics. Um, you'd kind of have a, an idea in your head of like the kind of foods that would be best for them, and f but good for energy and good for focus and you know s yeah, slow release energy and proteins and mm. things. What is the uh, what is the ideal for a racing driver? Because I think I guess a lot of people, me included, really, I guess before I explored this world in greater depth, might have even thought, yeah, why does that matter? Why does it matter what I eat before a race? Because ultimately, all I'm doing is sitting down and driving a car. But I guess it really does matter, doesn't it? It, it does, and it's really dependent on the type of race that you're doing as well. Mm. You know, if you're a single-seater car, um, you know, the endurance of the race, the length of the race. So it's managing all of that, the time of the race as mm. well. So really trying to make sure that we know how the day is going to look before so we can manage hydration levels, you know, with water, with electrolytes. Mm. Um, you know, how rested are you the night before? What do we need to give you in terms of energy and recovery? So, you know, it, in the morning for, for breakfast, regardless of, of 
what your race day looks like. It's making sure that you've got a good solid breakfast in you, slow releasing carbs, so your energy stays constant. Mm. And then it's topping that up a little bit uh, throughout the day before you get out to do your race. So um, <clears throat> like recently I was at track and I think the, the race was 12 o'clock. So bang in the middle of the day, most people be wanting to have lunch. So we're not going to feed the drivers lunch. They don't want something heavy in their stomach that's going to be sloshing around. Mm. So it'd be like, you know, a, a mid-morning snack at 11 and then making sure that they've got something big <clears throat> when they come in afterwards. Sure. Um, but then for the mechanics, when the when the guys are out racing, they're hungry. So it's trying to manage it that way. Yeah. Um, so definitely, you know, they need the protein for the recovery. Uh, literally, when they get out of the car to get some food into them, have something light so it's not sitting heavy in their tummy. Mm. But also, you don't want your um, like your blood being drawn away from your your, your limbs and your peripheral and your brain to be going to digest the food in your stomach as well. Wow, and then if you yeah, so you know you got to think where the attention is going to be for your body. But it's also so, um, you know, if you have a race at, say, 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you don't want to have something big and heavy at lunchtime yeah. because you'll get a blood sugar spike and then you'll get a slump and you don't want to start feeling tired and lethargic when you need to be sharp and focused mm. behind the wheel. So, you know, everyone knows what it's like when they've eaten too much, they feel a bit stuffed and you don't want to get off the sofa. Yeah. That's the last thing you want to be feeling when you're getting yeah. behind um, behind the racing wheel. Uh, and then there's other different foods that you can incorporate into your menu plan that really help to keep the, the brain sharp as well you know mm. different brain foods that you can eat you know your, your good fats your omegas things like that so always making sure that outside of race day that that's included into your, your diet as well the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital got you yeah, yeah. and is there a perfect remedy or does it come down to is, is it a case of having to build individual profiles does it matter size of drivers you know slightly heavier set driver versus a you know, lighter more athletic driver does that matter or is there still like a good solid step-by-step -step basis you can go on to help throughout the days um it, it's very individual uh, obviously the the fitter you are and the better uh that like the better your body is able to adapt to the physiological stress of throwing yourself around a racetrack mm. you know we, um we definitely need to be training your neck to to cope with the g-forces of the cornering uh making sure that your core is strong to so you can be stable in the seats you're not losing energy being thrown around mm. in the seat uh, in terms of like your, your fitness level, you know, as soon as you get behind the wheel, your heart rate's going to increase. Yeah. So then your body temperature is going to go slightly up. And then if you're thinking about having, you know, sweaty palms, and that's a slight uh, risk of dehydration from that, but your stress response as well, and your breathing's going to become shallower. Mm. So then you're potentially not going to be making the, the, the right or the best choices out on track. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're going to be tense rather than being relaxed. Uh, and then I guess just bringing all that together to make sure that at a base level as a driver you can be as fit as you possibly can be so that you don't have those physiological responses when you're out on track so you'll naturally keep your heart rate lower you know if you're if you're fitter you have a lower resting heart rate so when you get in a stress response it's not going to go up as high so then you won't get those physiological responses if that makes sense yeah, okay. um, and then from a body composition perspective obviously if you're lighter um, and you're you're not carrying as much body fat it's a lot easier to get in and out the car mm. um, and move yourself around on track as well and you know especially if you're doing a race and you know you have a co-driver you don't want to be the one slowing down trying to scramble out of the car and I have seen people being dragged out of the car you know and, and you know they can't get behind the wheel um, and then it's all about your, your recovery as well, because if you've worked really hard and, and you're unfit, it's going to take you longer to recover. And so then, you know, it's going to take you longer to get back behind the wheel and doing what you love and what you're passionate about. Mm. So, you know, that's why I try to stress the importance of focus on your fitness. And then you'll, you know, not only have longevity in the sport that you love, but you'll actually enjoy it more because your results will be better. Yeah. So it all goes hand in hand together. Yeah, got you. And where do you stand with supplements do supplements work do, would you would you prefer to get all the nutrition and benefits from physical food or is there where do you, what do you think? I, I sometimes think people go to supplements too quickly as they mm. go to as a quick fix um, when they don't have the base foundation set properly. Yeah. So with every driver that I work with, um, you know, I will always work out what their activity levels are, what their training goals are, what their body type is, and then work out what their exact uh, nutrient intake should be in terms of their calorie levels, what how much um, grams of carbohydrates, proteins and fats they should be having each day, mm. and then looking at what their day looks like 
intake and then managing that intake for them you know if I've got a, a driver and they're training um, and their training sessions are during the day I will manage their carb intake around their training sessions because if they're just sat at home doing nothing in the evening then, yeah. then they don't need them but likewise you know if I have a driver who's busy all day and can only train in the evenings then we'll manipulate it from there and then once the the base level is is met um, it's topping up from there and you know most people potentially w- would be supplementing with a, a you know, decent quality protein powder to make sure their protein levels are up mm. um, and you know that again it depends on, on their body type and the intensity of their training yeah as well gotcha I'd love to know if there are any like horror stories or hero stories because there must be certain series where you are destined I mean we as, as I said at the beginning we met at the Praga series mm. and that the majority of drivers that I've seen in the Praga series they tend to be fairly young they tend to be fairly fit and agile so I guess they're kind of a bit easier to manage aren't they and a little nudge here and there to go actually let's maybe not have an egg bacon sausage roll mm. for breakfast and have this they're probably more likely to go yeah fair enough are there any series or are there any particular drivers you don't have to name the names <laughs> here, where you've been like okay this is going to be a challenge like they've turned up with their RV and they've already got a fry up on their does that sort of thing happen? You know what? Surprisingly, it's um, it's the the younger ones that have that feeling of being invincible. Okay. You know, so yeah. they're like, oh, I don't need to worry too much about it yeah. right now. So it's more of that education process to them. Whereas, you know, as you get older, you start to feel the effects of um, if you haven't been looking after yourself as well and mm. you're open and more receptive to, to learning and being educated. Um, but, you know, some people as well, if they're getting really good results and, you know, they've got a formula that works them, which includes bacon rolls and fry ups, and I'm not <laughs> going to change it. I'm doing yeah. really well. So then that can just be a a slow burn process and and education. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And, you know, some people are just, you know, let them know what I can do and how I can help them. And, and then if it's not right for them, then... <laughs> Have you had that? Have you had people just go, ah, oh, it's fine, I'll... I, I don't want to sacrifice the Greggs. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna carry on. Well, I've got a philosophy anyway of um, you know nothing should you know be restricted anyway. So if eighty yeah. percent of the time you're you're following your nutrition plan and you're on point, that allows for that twenty percent. So yeah. it's trying to not have that all or nothing philosophy um, and then again it comes back to what their goals are and getting someone connected to the passion of why they're doing what they're doing mm. and you know once they understand that then you know it's easier to kind of sink into like you know that Greg's isn't probably going to get you <laughs> to that pole position you yeah. know so how much is how tasty is that going to be how much do you really want that why don't we have this instead and then see how it feels yeah that's so fair. I could be quite persuasive <laughs> <laughs> and have you had any stories where like perhaps a driver's come forward and said look I'm racing in this series I know that I need to get into better shape mm. and has anyone like really run with it and been like a, a great case for they've turned into like a fitness guru as a result of just having an interest in motorsport uh yeah there's one driver in particular i remember they were um they were supposed to have a co-driver and they ended up doing a 60 minute race themselves and they'd really try and try to ramp up their fitness before the championship um because they were a little bit younger as well Mm. and then you know that kind of um, blase attitude was you know I'll be all right and then it was like no no let's just try it let's see what else you can do Um, and they definitely noticed their results and it's more um, you know when you're slightly feel fatigued and slightly dehydrated your focus goes your concentration goes Mm. so by 
being able to be fitter, you can maintain that focus without that fatigue setting in for longer. And that's what was there, was noticed straight away. Yeah. Um, and then in particular, there was this one race and they didn't have their co-drive and they ended up doing the whole 60 minute stint themselves. Wow. Um, and because we'd been training them and they, they were fit, and they'd increase their fitness levels, they were able to do it. So they could finish the race. And it was, you know, I remember having a conversation with this particular driver and they said that they got, I think it was about 45, 50 minutes into the race and they knew that they, they recognized how their body felt and they knew mm. that they were starting to fatigue. So they backed off going full pelt because they thought that if I, if I don't slow down and give it and only give it say 85% rather than 100%, then I know that I can finish the race and get points. If I keep going at 100%, knowing that I'm starting to feel fatigued, I'm just gonna crash and then I'm gonna get nothing. Wow. So you become a smarter driver um, and then obviously it improves your, your overall performance and your longevity and results in the championship and yeah. Improves your race craft as well. Brilliant. It's such a good point because I think, yeah, you know, I'm always fascinated, especially when I speak to drivers. And I mean, on the day that we met, I spoke to a, an array of the different drivers from the Praga teams. And I love learning and discovering how many of the drivers have a, a true understanding of like, the geometry of their car, for example, mm. like the setup of suspension. And like Ben Collins was a perfect example. Yeah, he's somebody that's been driving for many, many years. He was the Stig, of course, on Top Gear. He has a real vested interest in understanding the geo setup for the car, how the suspension's gonna handle from track to track, what toe in they've got, all that sort of stuff. Whereas his co-driver, Jay, wasn't so clued up on the technology side of it and, and the, the technicals of why things made a difference, uh, but trusted Ben perfectly, because mm. of course, as we all would, I'm sure. And I guess the nutrition side of it is much the same. Once you've, like anything else, once you've got a better understanding of how something works, you become more confident in your product. Mm. So you know how your suspension works, you get more confident in how it's, how your car's gonna perform. And yeah, once you've got a better understanding of your dietary requirements and nutrition, again, you're, yeah, you're gonna see a big difference, aren't you? And mm. I guess, so perhaps you've, I mean, there must've been cases where drivers have come along and said, you know, I, I need to, I know that if I eat that food for breakfast, I'm more alert and focused versus other things. Mm. And you do you find that people start tweaking their own diets after doing a bit of racing with you as well? Yeah, the, the, the quickest way you can get, um, or I've seen people respond, is by making sure that the hydration levels are on point mm. and making sure that, you know, um, <clears throat> I was working with a, uh, a lady in the W Series and you know, Miami was hot this year, yeah, <coughs> excuse yeah. me. Um, and, you know, we were messaging the whole time that she was over there and just making sure that she was on point with her hydration. She took her electrolyte tablets with her and she said that definitely made a difference. Mm. But we started her hydration protocol, you know, even before she left the UK, just to make sure she wasn't gonna get dehydrated on the flight. So just managing things from there, wow. making sure that, you know, your nutrition levels are up um, and then you're not depleted going into that environment. Mm. So, um, you know, a lot of the teams that I work with as well, uh, you know, I started, especially on the hot days at the track and they're running around as well. So I started introducing uh, some electrolyte supplements to them and they're right. like, wow, I, f I feel alert. And, you know, yeah. actually being there on track and going up to people and say, have you had enough to drink today? They're like, oh no, I haven't. And just that, that small reminder, because uh, people forget to have a glass of water or what Completely. have you as well. So, especially in a hectic environment, you know, in a pit garage, if something goes wrong that yeah. was unexpected, suddenly attention gets focused on that. It can be easy, you know, it's a bit like all of us, I'm sure, can relate to having a busy work day mm. and getting to like one in the afternoon and going, oh, I've not eaten a thing. Yeah. Like, I'm, why do I feel so ratty and tired? Oh, it's because I've eaten nothing since breakfast or maybe skipped breakfast as well. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that really helps. I uh, teased the question and uh, it's one that I can't avoid. The company name that you come up with and you are known as The Naked Warrior. How did that come about? <laughs> Well, it's a conversation starter, that's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's definitely opened up a lot of conversations. Um, Naked Warrior is all about being real and raw and honest and being strong and following your passion and being connected to, to the essence of being raw, strong and feminine. Mm -hmm. um, Previously, my business was called Alpha Fit Female and it was more focused on um, female empowerment, but that was a little bit too elitist for, for a lot of females. Mm. So changed it to the Naked Warrior, um, yeah, to, to help people feel comfortable and know that they can be honest, real, raw and strong and, and then fight for, for whatever it is that they're following. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever get that? Do you ever, does it ever get mixed up? Do people like you come forward and you're like, right, I can help you with a bit of training? They're like, oh no, I'm, <laughs> my my clothes are staying on. Well, f- from the fitness side of things, it works <laughs> because you know, naked, I ha- I can help you look good naked. So there see. is that little bit of tongue in cheek there. Um, and I, I remember I was renting a car once in Scotland, and I gave my um, email address, and, <laughs> and the the poor gentleman said, "said what? Did you just say naked?" I said, "yes, I did." And he said, "oh, I've got to go and phone my mum." <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, you know, most people, you know, they they see it, they hear it, um, and then they ask questions about it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's tongue-in-cheek, it's fun, um, but most people do understand it's about, you know, pull, peeling back the layers and just being truthful, honest, real and raw yeah. and strong. Nice. Awesome stuff. Um, the other thing that I can't help but avoid noticing is the fact that you've turned up today to Caffeine Machine in a rather sporty little Clio. Is it yeah. 197? Yeah, it is. That's quite a cool choice of car to, to rock up in. Is that your, that's kind of your daily everything car, fun yeah. car? Yeah, it, it's my little uh, run around. Um, a lot of people keep trying to persuade me to track it and I refuse to. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just love it. Like I said, as a daily driving around, it's so much fun. I literally, yeah. like, you know, it brings me joy. Um, and seeing it lined up with all these other lovely cars here is just m- lighting me up at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> they are blisteringly good on track. Mm. I must I'm sure a million people have told you this yes. already. So, you know, I, I'd be tempted to, um, to give it a go. What's the main reason for not wanting to? Just because you love it too much. Because I, I love it exactly like that. You know, I potentially would get another one to have okay. that as a track car. So I'm not saying I don't want to track uh, a Clio 197. I just don't want to do that one. Fair <laughs> enough. That's fair enough. I'm sure a lot of people will relate to that as well. Yeah. Listening at home. Have you always been into fairly interesting cars? Or is this something that came with the motorsport side of your work? Um, I, I guess more recently, uh, you know, my car has been more of um, a priority for me. Mm. But I've always had interest in, in, in cars, you know, um, driving Lamborghinis, McLarens and Ferraris. So seeing all of these is great. Uh, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, having a look at like the Nissan GTRs and yeah. um, like FTOs and, and things like that. So, yeah, I've always liked a fast, sporty car. Nice. And how did that start? Did it was there like a parental influence as you were when you were younger? No. The ironic thing is, um, my mum and dad didn't drive. Oh wow! So and we right. grew up as a family without a family car. Okay. So I got my first car. What was it? It was a um, a Metro GTO. I only had four gears. Um, <laughs> when I was nineteen, when I passed my test, I was like, I've now got my car. I can go. But growing up, we were public transport all the way. Wow. <laughs> how funny. Yeah. How funny. And do you have uh, do you have like a hit list? Are there certain cars that if the if business booms and things goes well, is there like a dream car that you might one day aspire to? Or? Do you know what? I, yeah, there, there's a couple. We're definitely like um, an Audi R8, a little Maserati, um, Pagani. <laughs> okay, not thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have this long, extensive list. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to steal a question from uh, my. Uh, podcasting colleague Sam Moores uh, which is unlimited budget five cars if you could choose but then only five right so I mean you listed off about four there which are quite good yeah so what do you think and and you can kind of categorize them into uses as well so like one for the kind of day-to-day one for mm. a very special weekend car what do you think your your five would be we can have some additional influence from <laughs> somebody else in our studio here as well <laughs> if, if needed Oh, what cars would I have? A little sheer on sport, definitely. Okay, um, good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Yeah, I've, I've always had a thing for um, uh, an, an Audi, definitely an Audi R8. Um, I've been looking at different, uh, the, like the Mercedes lately as well. Yeah. So. Um, and then, as we were saying to you, following that little Nissan GTR up here today, like that, it's grunty. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. There's just so many, I can't choose. And then my little Clio. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep the Clio. Yeah. Clio always has to stay. Yeah. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> Amazing. So, you also have some books, don't you, for people that 
might want to yes. improve their just general fitness and uh -huh. nutrition levels and stuff like that, feel free to kind of just, yeah, tell me a bit about them. What's the, uh, sure. what was the thought behind them and, and what's been the feedback as well? Uh, so when I, um, my, my first book, it's called uh, the, the Winning Physique. Mm -hmm. So I used to compete when I lived in Australia. So I used to get up on stage as a, as a female figure competitor, which is, you know, like female bodybuilding. Yeah. And I was Miss Sydney twice and I came second in Australia um, at this national level. And I was inspired to, to write a book to help other females who wanted to compete and get up on stage, be it as a physique model, figure, or bikini model, um, and do it healthy and do it in the right way. Because I saw a lot of girls have a lot of... Um, um, what's the word? Like not the best relationships with their bodies, mm. with, with food. Um, so I really wanted to sh be show how it was going to be done in a um, a healthy way. So, you know, I shared my journey, uh, what my training plans were, what uh, my my nutrition was, and then I interviewed other pros um, in the different categories as well, brought their stories together, um, and then created a plan for someone to follow. So if they wanted to get the competitive edge on stage, you know, this was their guide to go and do it, and that. You know that were that was a success. A lot of people used it um, when I first had it published when when I was in Australia, uh, and then my second book, as I was saying, is called The Winning Formula. Mm -hmm. um, you know, discover the secrets to unleash your alpha female. So being the best version of yourself as a woman, and as I touched on before, it was interviewing women at the top of their game um, in that traditional male sport to really find out you know what fired them up, what got them to go through all, all the challenges mm. uh, so you know it would inspire other women to follow their passions and be strong um, and committed and you know basically live, live the life that they deserve to yeah. um, so then that's the the first two published books and I do actually have another book um, which is just half written <laughs> at okay. the moment yeah so there's one in the works there, there is and that that's very much um motorsport based as well nice. and of a similar theme to the first two in terms of it being the you know the winning and mm. the interviews and a guide so nice and that's all you... i tease you with <laughs> yeah that sounds good that sounds really good have you had have you been able to get some feedback from people have you have you met people that have read the book and like digested it and gone, yeah. you know actually said you know what this has actually been amazing yeah yeah like definitely you know there was um you know with the winning physique uh people were using it as a guide to get up on stage and then they had had success with their own competitions and then with the win winning formula you know people messaged me and they, they get a lot from it in terms of that being inspired and then then knowing what to do mm. as well because you know it's all well and good saying oh this this really motivates me this excites me uh, but that can only take you so far it's like well okay so I'm excited mm. but what do I do and it's like okay yeah. so this is these are now the steps that if you've got this goal that you want to go and do these are now the steps to follow and just know that this might happen and if this happens this is how you deal with it so it's kind of that that handbook that's going to help you along um, and you know I've got great feedback from it as well Perfect. And did I hear a mobile app as well? Is that a yes, I do. So I have a, an online um, uh, fitness nutrition app. I've got a couple of different programs through the the app. So my race fit program, which I work with racing drivers, uh, it's on an app as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got my eat for results nutrition program uh, that gives you meal plans. It gives you um, recipe guides, things like that. And then the total transformation it incorporates fitness workouts and the eat for results and then obviously like I said I've got the the race fit one so um yeah whatever your goal is it, it can help you it's literally just like having me <laughs> on your phone in your pocket you know um and I can see all of my clients that use it so I'm regularly like logging oh, nice. into my little back office I'm like they haven't tracked their workout today I don't know if they did the right reps and sets you know have they eaten this so it's you know they, they've got me with them them all the time and Perfect. there's all the educational videos on that um and then everyone who is part of my um like my race fit programs as well. I also have an online community, which is all about motorsport, fitness and nutrition. Mm. Um, and that's just basically a free Facebook community group and anyone who's interested in motorsport and wants to know about improving their performance and just learning a little bit more about what everyone else is doing, you know, their experiences on track or, um, you know, what worked well for them when they were buying some of their race gear. You know, it's this community where people can share um, their experience that they've had and also learn um, more about the nutrition and fitness. And I have guest interviews for, for different drivers and experts nice. that come in as well so fantastic yeah so I mean the community side of it is great isn't it I mean mm. we we, was, we were talking off mic actually about the, the joy of this place here yeah. at Caffeine and Machine the fact that this this is a, 
essentially just a hub where people can come together as a community because we all have an interest in cars and I guess with the Facebook group it's because people have an interest in their nutrition an interest in getting fitter um, an interest in perhaps you know focusing or, or yeah understanding how their body works in order to focus more be that with work or be that with motorsport be that with anything else um, where do you see this growing I mean you must have so many aspirations and, and dreams to go forward with this you did mention I don't know how much you're allowed to say because I know that <laughs> F1 is, uh, is is an industry sworn by secrecy yes but you do have involvement with an F1 team is that right yes I am a preferred supplier for a uh, F1 team and you know like my my bigger picture goal is to become more aligned with you know one of those larger organizations and and help not just the drivers but but also ongoing support for the team mm. um, and then you know on the other side of that from the nutrition perspective you know a, a big goal of mine would be to to change the face of what cafes look like at track so nice. you know like it, it's a massive thing for me and you know that's where if I can start directly with the motorsport companies that I work with and you know their catering teams are changing yeah. providing more choice and then working directly with the tracks in in their restaurants and cafes as well to be able to just make everyone healthier yeah yeah now that makes sense to kind of jump on a complete tangent really uh-huh. i'm thinking about current like living costs for the vast majority of us here so not necessarily just focusing on the motorsport side mm. of things now but you mentioned it, the only reason this light bulb turned on in my head is because of the whole um the cafes at racetrack thing which yeah. is a, a, a complete go-to you know you think of a, a motorsport event even just as a spectator you immediately think of or certainly i do burger van fried onions hot dogs that sort of stuff it's very rarely quinoa salads you know <laughs> nutritional things i guess often the go-to reason for an event like that is because it's the cheap and easy way of doing it isn't it mm. and i i do have some concerns certainly as the kind of political and global climate is going the way it's going that for a lot of people the cheap and easy option is going to be the one that a lot of people are going to go for yeah do you think there is a kind of a method or a thought train or any advice that we're able to kind of share an offer with people that are worried about the fact that life is getting expensive everything from utilities to fuel mm. to food and groceries um is there an easier option than just going and getting the cheap burger as opposed to going and getting a salad like is what would your advice be um definitely to buy um like you know frozen fruits are great frozen mm. vegetables are great because then you're going to be getting your nutrient profile um in so you know if that's going to be if you're doing your home shopping yeah. um also you know batch cooking batch creating your meals mm. and you know planning and, and prepping for the week ahead so you're not doing those impulse purchases and you know if you have a family and you're going to a track day um you know like do take things with you Mm. uh so you're not spending as as much as well that's going to keep your costs down and you know things like which are easy you know like ham wraps cheese wraps you know putting a little bit of um salad in there as well Mm. that's actually a lot cheaper than then going to buy burgers and chips for everyone yeah so um it's just having the the full planning and timing Mm. Um, to be able to go and do that so you're not so reactive and making it a priority as well yeah no that's a very good point that's a very good point I'm certainly a um, terrible person that like going shopping when I'm hungry for example worst thing you can ever do (laughs) for me anyway because you buy everything that you don't need yeah (laughs) trolley full of crisps essentially (laughs) because that's what I want right here right now yeah okay that's really good that's that's really helpful advice yeah definitely for people moving forward now if there's anyone listening that's thinking actually yeah I'm, I'm either getting involved in motorsport or perhaps I'm a team or I'm a driver or I just want to get better at track days and get a bit faster is there still the option for some one-on-one service with you like yeah yeah you can absolutely get involved yep. with individuals as well and how do they find you what's the easiest route um if you, literally if you just go and search for the naked warrior you'll find me on google um and you know if you're on social media it's underscore sorry on instagram it's at underscore the naked warrior and then facebook the naked warrior linkedin it is me it's claire johnson um like i said if you google me find my website the naked warrior um you know you've got all my contact details on there you can drop me a message um you know i'm really quite um responsive to to people who who want to make a change like it excites me when i see people who want to do it you know and who are passionate about doing it and you know i I want to improve um and have that impact on people so that they can improve their overall racing performance um and see the benefits of it so you know i'm always willing to to work with people um in the number of different ways that i do in terms of my race fit program you know it is bespoke and tailored towards the driver's individual needs because every driver is different they've they've got a um 
you know, a, a different base level that they're coming to me with. They've got different racing requirements. They've got different lifestyles, different stresses. Mm. So it's all, you know, the first thing I always do whenever I work with anyone is have a complete, you know, lifestyle consultation. And it's like a bird's eye view of me looking at them so I can then work out the best way to create the program for them that they can easily integrate into their lifestyle. Mm. So there's no point saying to someone go and do this, which is like a blanket plan because that that's not real for, for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I'm always... Um, having my client calls, we have weekly catch-ups, you know, seeing what's working well for them, what hasn't worked well, and then having a look to see what's coming up that week for, um, you know, is it a race weekend? Is it a a weekend where you're not at track? Well, let's have a look at your training and then what else is going on? Mm. Um, So it's really trying to create it on that individual basis. for, for the drivers and for the teams. And then I guess from the, the corporate side of things, it's looking at how we can make the, the corporate workplace healthier, reducing stress levels, the importance of managing stress and what nutrition, how that can impact your stress levels and make you healthier and you know like less time off work and, and things like that. So, yeah. and then bring it all, all together. Cool. What would you say is the best and the worst aspects of your job and what you do? <laughs> Jay, the, the best part about what I do is seeing people's faces light up when they 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 see their performance improve and yeah. they get the result that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like, yes, I've done it. Like, you, you, you've now seen the benefits. You, you've now got your goal. And helping um, you know people with that. Um, and the worst thing, I guess, when people don't listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but it's it, it's just the nature of what I do. So Of course. Um, I think yeah. that's any element of yeah. tuition or coaching or training. There's always that. You find yourself saying, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> I warned you about this. I know. <laughs> I've tried to explain. It's, um, I, I guess what does frustrate me is, if you know, if I've created something for someone and then they don't then don't follow it and then they moan about not getting the results yeah yeah as well yeah. you know so yeah yeah awesome well claire this has been really fascinating like getting an insight of your work and what you do and yeah i urge you dear listener to go and check out claire's website because yeah it's awesome naked warrior the naked warrior the naked UK warrior yep. is the website and you can get a good overview of of what claire does and if there's something you think there, oh, actually, yeah, that could be helpful to me or that could be useful to, to a friend or family member that's getting involved in motorsport or, or just anything, really, any kind of fitness level, then, um, yeah, go check Claire out because she's awesome. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on today. It's been no, great. No, absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Um, likewise, if you've got any questions, dear listener, if you would like to get in contact with the show, you can do so, podcast at drivenchat.com. Um, anything you want to direct to Claire, you can do that through us and, of course, we'll forward that on. Otherwise, you can do so via Claire's social media feeds or via her website for now that leaves me to say thank you ever so much for listening and we will come back with a new episode next week the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital you dream it we bring it to life find out more at drivenchat.com oh wow you've made it to the end the very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps thanks bye